Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the second episode of Red Pill Your Healthcast. I am Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz, and I'm here with Lauren Johnson, nurse practitioner. Uh, and we have a good one for you guys today. Uh, I think this is basically the one of the main reasons why we started this podcast is yeah. because of a topic like we're about to talk about. Um, so I want to preface first by saying that this is a very emotional topic. And I want to also say that we need to view logic over emotions in this um, instance. And sometimes it's it's hard for people to do that, but just know that we are coming from a loving space and we want to do this because we think it's that important for your loved one's health, your health, and the future generations of our children's health. Yeah. Um, and I would just say like the decisions I made as a mom, I didn't know then what I know now. Um, and I would do it different. And, you know, I... I can't tell you that this isn't medical advice. This is just uh, our experiences and some of the, you know, the research that we've done and the things that we've found clinically, but it, you know, it is, it's a very hard topic to discuss because there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of questioning. And, um, I would just say that try to just look at the facts, um, and try to do like use this as a jumping off point to do your own research. Um, and to see what you're comfortable with um, and make that decision from there. Um, but we're coming from this, like where I made decisions that I wish I wouldn't have. And I wish I would have done it a little bit different um, when I became a mom. So, yeah. And so um, to piggyback off that, uh, the saying is you don't know what you don't know until you find out you didn't know it. And so we don't want anyone to feel guilty. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that a lot of moms go to that uh, feeling first. And that, that's not what this is about. At the end of the day, it should always be your body, your choice, and um, and that's uh, that is above all else. And so, yeah. let's start talking about this elephant in the room. Yeah, vaccinations. You can say the word. I know I can say it without being shadow banned. Yeah, even though I'm still shadow banned right now a little bit. Um. All right. So. Uh, we are, this podcast will not be about all the science that's in the vaccines. This is going to be about asking questions and hopefully opening your mind to why we see the things we see or why we believe the things we believe. And so first and foremost, I'm going to start it off with 1986, Ronald Reagan signs into, um, into law, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. Why is this a big deal? This is a big deal because now it just gave all major corporations uh, not ever to be held liable again for vaccine injury. That is a huge deal. That's like going to a car dealership and the car dealership is known for 50% of their cars exploding, but you have no choice to use any other uh, car brands. Would you use those brands? I wouldn't. If they are not liable for any injuries, do you think they're going to research into the safety about those cars? Probably not. What corporation is going to put safety over money? And that's one thing that like the companies have to would have to pay for these studies and they don't want to because it's a lot of money. It would be a lot of money to do these studies. Yep. So, but also like, why would they, why would they? Because if they have to pay for it, and they're and they're not sure what the results are going to be because they've never done placebo controlled trials with most of these vaccines. They have done, I think, one HPV clinical control trial, which is interesting because that's the one that uh, um, has a lot of reactions. But mm -hmm. they have done one with HPV, but uh, the rest have not had placebo controlled trials. They were um, the adjuvants. They were tested against 
something that had an adjuvant um, like aluminum, which is one of the issues. I'm mm -hmm. not necessarily saying I'm against like the the pref the idea of this it's more about like what is in them the some of the uh, adjuvants some of the fillers uh some of the contamination some of just the way they're doing it and then some of them are just not necessary so the argument against one or the other it's different for each one um yep. and so that's something that maybe we can discuss in future episodes is like why you would go the pros and cons of each one but either way um this is going to be like that overarching view of it and just to know that like they didn't even do placebo controlled trials and they don't they're not going to because they don't want to pay for it that's right and so that leads me to a, the next point is there's never ever been a study of vaccines that has had a true control group so as you were saying what they do is they inject everybody in the study but half of them don't get the pathogen that they're yeah. trying to fight against. So all of them get the adjuncts, the aluminum, the mercuries, and things like that, which is where all the issues are. So of course, they're not going right. to see a huge difference in control group um, versus the group that's being studied. Um, and one other thing that I will say is they also only monitor those people for two to five days after injected. And that's the issue is because a lot of people will notice, and we'll talk about this uh, later on in this episode, will notice their children changing overnight. And then they'll notice their children changing after a month. But a lot of people, uh, beyond the whole autism and you know the things that everyone's thinking about, things like heart disease, things like cancer, things like Alzheimer's, all these toxin-derived um, diseases, it takes time to build. And so just because it's not a, you got injected now and then a day later or a month later, you had all these effects, doesn't mean that it's not contributing to majority of the chronic health issues we see. It's all about the toxin bucket. And, you know, these are drips. Some some kids start with a fuller toxin bucket, some, and, and that's due to a number of factors. And so when that toxin bucket overflows, that's when we start seeing different things changing. Um, there are instances where you will see a child literally changes overnight and they come back in the next day and they are different. Um, and there are moms that have spoken out, parents that have spoken out about this. And that is the case for some, but that is not gonna be the case for many, it's going to be a gradual thing and you're, and it may not be something that you even notice right away uh, or could attribute and then you'll, then you'll never attribute it back to the vaccine. And if you do, and you ask questions, you will be dismissed. Um, okay. So that's the hard thing too. And, and is it a coincidence that they're starting to push back our development ages? Do we really, are, are people actually believing this? Yeah. Do you think that we're more medically advanced than ever? Shouldn't our development be getting quicker? Yeah. and not delayed. Yeah. So we want you to ask your ask the questions when you see these things, because it's all a magic trick. It's all a sleight of hand. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to bring in COVID really quick. And here's a perfect sleight of hand. What do they do in the beginning of COVID? Well, certain news channels had death tickers on there. Mm -hmm. But as soon as the deaths didn't support the narrative, they sleight of hand. And you can look over here while I'm doing this over here, a little uh, card trick. They put a case ticker because they needed to change the narrative when it wasn't working in their favor. And that's what they're doing with childhood vaccinations when they're pushing back your child's uh, development ages or uh, um, leaps, I guess you can say. So don't get scammed again, please people. Do not get scammed again. Um, furthermore, let's talk a little bit about a developing child. There's something called the blood-brain barrier. That is what basically stops uh, toxins from going from your blood into your brain. Well, so anything that gets into your blood should not get into your brain. 
And this barrier isn't fully solidified until the age of seven. Mm -hmm. So anything that goes into your blood before the age of seven has direct access to your brain tissue. Mm -hmm. What does aluminum do to your nervous system tissue? What does mercury do to your- Multiple studies looking at this. If you go on, if you want to know, or you want to show somebody, go on PubMed, just Google PubMed, it'll come up. And you put in aluminum in brain or mercury in brain or neurological, and you're going to get study after study that shows you that aluminum and mercury do cause neurological consequences. I mean, there are, there is an impact. And so that's easily seen in the literature. Yep. And, and, uh, aluminum is a huge one with Alzheimer's that's in the literature significantly, but let's talk, let's talk a little bit about mercury. How many times has your medical doctor told you not to go and eat sushi and tuna? Mm Mm-hmm. But then how many times has your medical provider said that you should get a flu shot, which has 25 micrograms of mercury in there? Let's just put that into perspective for a second. I wrote down a statistic. I don't really write down much stuff usually, but I had to write these down because I want to get it right. Now, the EPA says safe, safe levels of mercury before someone reacts, which I still think this is too much, is 0.045 micrograms, a flu shot has 25 micrograms. That means that the flu shot is only safe for someone who weighs 550 pounds. Put that in perspective. Think about it. That's a big deal. And guys, I hear that. And I'm, and I, I will tell you like in my heart, just cause I was one of those that I, I worked in North, I worked at a children's hospital. Um, and I, I have seen flu a lot. I've seen flu cause disastrous con- consequences in children. Um, and I was one of those like, you have to get your flu shot. You have to get your flu shot. I was one of those because I've seen kids on ECMO with the flu, but there's so much more to the picture there. Is it that the, all the vaccines before that were suppressing the immune system and causing such an issue that it made them more susceptible? Was it other, were there other factors there? So there's, there's never just one thing, but, um, I will say that I, I didn't know that. I like, I just learned that from you, that there was that amount of mercury in the flu shot. Um, yep. and so like, when you think about it like that and you, it, it, it takes a gut punch when you know that like you, I, my children, um, when they were babies, th- that was at six months, it's what you did. Um, yep. and cause I was, you know, I didn't want to be the one that had a child that went on ECMO and it's not that it's just not the case. Um, there you, you are, didn't wanna be, you didn't want to be the conspiracy theorist. Mm. And now I'm not afraid to be, um, but I, I would say like, there's just there, yes, the flu, there are things that are out there that can, um, that can cause harm, but like, you have to, like, there is so much more You have to look at risk versus benefit. You have to look at things that you can do to proactively fight against that. in you know, when you have it and things that just are typically not done. Um, and so it's just, there's more to the picture than just a child getting sick. Yeah. And that's what everything is all about pros versus cons. Do yeah. the pros outweigh the cons? And, and mercury in is a big con. Like yes. that's it's maybe the biggest con. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, some people mercury say is, wasn't that the, um, Mad Hatter, uh, no, or no, 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 uh, no, 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 uh, the Jack the Ripper. I can't remember now. Was it Jack I the feel Ripper? like there's one of those things that was said that that's why they were mad is because okay. um of mercury poisoning 
I, I want to say there was something like that. And I also want to say there was something. I think it may have been lead or something that took down. No, it took down Rome. One of them is Mercury. I have to. I'll have to look at that. Okay, go everyone, on. Everyone went mad, and they say that some people say the crash of Rome was due to heavy metal toxicity in the sewage systems that they were being mm. exposed to. Um, but yeah. So do the pros outweigh the cons? That's all we're trying to say here, people. Yeah. Like everything, you have to, to have to weigh out, and we just don't think that the pros outweigh the cons. Like. Is child is chickenpox gonna kill you? No. Is measles gonna kill you? No. Is rubella gonna kill you? No. Come on. Like even even people who get all those vaccines still get chickenpox, still get measles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because sometimes they're they cause it to happen. Not always, but it can definitely cause it to happen. Um, and they'll just say that you know that's just one of those random things that happen. Um, but they won't necessarily say it's an abnormal thing, so that you never think to question it. Right, and so. Some people are, are listening to us, you know, then they're kind of getting intrigued and they're like, but the CDC tells me this, the CDC tells me that. Well, if you understand that the CDC owns over 20 vaccine patents, of course their vaccines are going to be safe. That's what we're going to tell you. Yeah. So, case in point, this person irritates me beyond belief. Julie Herberding, you guys have probably never heard that name before, but what she was, was the director at the CDC. Where did she go from there? She got hired as the vaccination president at Merck. It is a revolving door between the it CDC. Is. And it's the not government. just about vaccines either. That's about pharmaceuticals too. It is it. just in, it is in general. And, and vaccines are just one of the big money makers. And one thing that I will say is, uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb and predict this. I, I might not be correct, but I think that people are waking up to drugs and pharma Mm -hmm. at an alarming rate. I think 2020 definitely has woken up a lot of people. Uh, but I also think that um, what they're going to start doing is they're going to start making vaccinations for conditions. Mm -hmm. So, oh, you have alcoholism in your family history. Here's a vaccine that could stop that, could change your brain. Oh, you have- started that with addiction. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, think about chronic migraines oh we got a vaccine for that you don't have to take your migraine medication anymore. we have a vaccine for that oh you yeah. have chronic whatever Lime. whatever Lime is yeah. Lime, lime's gonna be a huge one because they're, yeah, they're waking up the oh you have mold toxicity here let's inject you full of mold and we'll throw some aluminum and mercury and just pray for the best and hope for the best yeah the global vaccine market was set to reach 59.2 billion dollars by 2020 um <laughs> this is nearly double the size of the market in 2014 uh, according to a survey from Zion Market Research. Um, I think that just should tell you that there's a lot of money in this too. And there are even pediatricians who won't hold the vaccines on site because it's so expensive to have, like so expensive to hold them and carry them and to have yep. them in office. So like, you have to understand that like, it's very, it's a very expensive thing, um, but it's all free. Well, anyways, that's another, that's a whole nother thing, but that it's is. a very expensive thing. They are making a lot of money off of it. And it's something that, um, you have to wonder because if the CDC owns a patent, why, why, how is there no, there's no check, check, checks and balances here. Yep. And uh, by the way, uh, pharma out lobbies oil two to one in Washington. Mm. And in 2021 alone, <clears throat> Pfizer created uh, 39 billionaires. In 2021 alone, 39 billionaires. Yeah. So uh, here's another thing that just popped in my head. And, and since this is our podcast, we get to just go off the cuff. Um, uh, Jokic, right. The, uh, the tennis player who cannot yeah. play in the opens because he's not vaccinated. 
Yeah. Those opens are sponsored by Moderna. Yeah. Wake up people. This is what is going on. This is not conspiracy. You can go and look at the banners on the side and it says Moderna. Of course, he's not going to be able to, uh, to plan that because they sponsor it. They run it. They run all of it. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, pharma will also fund the studies and they will fund the, the, they'll fund the campaigns for Congress. And it, it, it definitely, it makes it to where there is no one out there that is really advocating um, for the person that's just out there being the one affected by it. Um, right. So it's, it's, it does create a very slippery slope. And, and um, I know we don't have too much time because we had technical difficulties. They were probably listening in on us and trying to shut down our podcast. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about uh, what happens when there is, because remember, we, we talked about that these companies are not liable for injury, mm-hmm. but there are people who have taken, who have mostly through the flu shot, but many others who have went to court and actually won and gotten compensated for their vaccine injury. Where does yeah. that money come from? The U.S. taxpayer. Yeah. Our yeah. money. And it's a lot, it's a lot of money that has been five, paid out. Five billion, five yeah. billion since 1986 has come yeah. from our tax dollars. We're paying and, for that. And keep in mind, these are just ones that are like beyond a doubt, like immediate vaccine reactions. Yes. That was, it was, they woke up a different child. Um, They had, um, and they won't, because they, even if it was like a febrile seizure, they aren't going to say that's going to be a vaccine reaction. They're going to say that was the fever or what you know, they're not, they, they may not put that back to the vaccine. That's so right. there's different little loops and, you know, loops they can go through. But if, if it was a gradual thing, this is probably not ever going to be proved in court. Yeah. And, and so uh, another thing piggybacking off that is there's the VARES, which is the self-reported um, vaccine injury program. And they say that they estimate at most 10% are actually reported. Oh, at yeah. Most. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that because a lot of people, it's years later, you realize and you kind of, you just kind of put two and two together. Well, that's when that happened. And that's when that happened. And, yeah. and, and it, it just, it's not going to ever be a situation where that's going to be accurately reported. Um, but even so, I mean, I mean, it's the same thing with like, with like a, with like a rape, like you, that system is is inaccurately reported. Like it's just exactly. way underreported. You just yep. don't. People don't always necessarily have the ability and the capacity to report that. That requires a level of um, self reflection and uh, realization and knowledge. And knowledge is a big one. Um, yeah. That like you just that a lot of people just aren't aware of. I wasn't aware of it, and I was a nurse practitioner. Or I am a nurse practitioner, but I was I was a nurse practitioner when I when when I had kids. Um, and so that is just something to, to keep in mind. And so, um, let's, let's transition a little bit. Let's go into, uh, we could talk about Japan a little bit, other countries. Yeah. Uh, I know people are going to say, so what do I do? I, I, I just listened to you guys talk. You brought up some points that makes me wonder, like, are these companies actually for our health or are they for profit? Well, that's rhetorical by now, but we can at least talk about, uh, options for people. You know, some people will say, okay, so which ones would you get? What would you, would you delay the schedule? Everyone pretty much knows my stance and you might have a a slightly different stance than me. I I could be wrong. Um, I will never inject my children with any vaccine. That's me. That is my choice. That is what I've seen clinically. 
I've watched children. So what have you seen clinically? Yeah. So I've watched children walk into our clinic. When I was, and in, this California. was in California. California, yes. And that was when SB 277 had passed. And now the first time uh, since the concentration camps was the Nuremberg Code broken, which means they can force vaccinate your children, especially to get into schools. And I didn't really understand the impact at the time. I was 26 years old. I just graduated chiropractic school. Um, I'm ready to heal the world. And now all these parents are coming and crying because uh, of this whole vaccine thing. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should look into this stuff. And I would watch kids come in and then they would receive doses of vaccines and they were different children from the standpoint of they weren't present. It's like almost like a zombie. They have this, you'll never forget the look in their eyes when they look at you. You'll never forget that look yeah. because it is so, it's so interesting. It is like they are looking through you and they're numb. It is just a very different it's just different. And I never, I never saw that in my children. I, I don't, I, I don't believe I ever saw that, but I saw other things. Um, and it was a gradual thing too. Um, yeah. and so not every child will have any issues. And, and we, you know, we recently talked about methylation, like that can be a big factor. If you are not methylating well, you're not going to detox these toxins properly. Or if you give your child Tylenol, then you're also depleting glutathione, which is a yes. big protector in the body to detox these metals and these other adjuvants. And so when we give glutath when we give Tylenol with a vaccine, because they have they have uh, with with rotavirus, my child screamed for hours, and that was something that at the time I had no idea. I had no idea. I just, okay, I'm, I'm going to give Tylenol. It's safe to give, safe to get from newborn. And, um, and knowing now what I know now that just it makes me want to scream. Um, uh, but that depletes glutathione and that is even worse. Um, and there was a study in 2008, I want to have it pulled up, um, 2008, um, acetaminophen or paracetamol use, um, and the measles, mumps, rubella vaccination and autistic disorder, the results at the parent survey. Um, but it, it, it showed that there was an eight times increase in autism when the child got Tylenol after the MMR vaccine. Um, and I don't even think it's just the M MMR. Like, I think that's just any of them, um, mm -hmm. where if you get, um, if you take Tylenol after them, that and, and then the conventional medicine will tell you not to do it, not to take Tylenol, but they don't tell you because of glutathione. They tell you, because they don't even, I don't even know if they know what that is, um, but <laughs> they tell you it's because it won't make the vaccine work as well. They yeah. say it decreases effectiveness. And nope. it's like, no, like, no, don't give Tylenol because it's going to decrease your risk for, uh, or it's going to increase your risk for uh, complications. It's going to decrease your ability to actually get rid of this stuff. Um, and so I will just say that, you know, there are so many, there are so many factors in here that are, um, you know, it may not be that your child walks in and it's just a totally different child. It may yep. not be, um, it may be a sensory thing. It may be, um, you know, they all of a sudden, they just, they just seem a little like touchy and sensitive or they, they don't like certain textures anymore, um, or loud noise. They get super sensitive to loud noises. I mean, I know every child has a sensitivity to some loud noise, but like it is, you know, it is something that it may just be a gradual thing. And so you can't just say, well, my child didn't have a reaction. They're fine. Um, and without like looking at the whole picture. Yeah. And, and, and don't do the whole, um, uh, 
how they do their studies outlook. Don't just monitor for two days to a week and then say it's all good. Well, that's another thing. They only, yeah, they only monitor for two to five days because it, it, the, the body just takes a long, lot longer than that. And that's just yeah. not the, how the body works It's okay. Yeah. It's fine after two to five days. <laughs> and everyone's a biochemical individual. So some people will do yeah. um, worse than others. You know, I, I read the blood type diet book and that also talks about which blood types will have more reactions towards vaccinations compared to others. Yeah. And surprisingly, the one that has the most reactions are the one that is the most common blood type type O. Uh, but so to, to keep going, so I would watch these kids they would have that where their look would change, but they would, if they were young, their development would start delaying, which is now what you're seeing. That's why they're changing the development of, you know, they're pushing it back. And I don't think COVID helped, but I think yeah. it's probably just something they were already seeing, but they're using all of this as a guise to, to not. So it's, it's, Remember, probably, it's, it's most likely it was all already there. It's all a magic trick. It's all a sleight of hand. And I see this when I see, when I was seeing patients in the office, like I see this children, it is just different. It is, it is different um, yeah. than it was when I even started as an NP seven years ago. Um, so it's just, it's just different. Children are, yeah. are being affected by this and it's just the gradual buildup of toxins. Yep. And um, I've seen things from kids with uh, start throwing their feces everywhere. You see all the stimming, you see all the neurological stuff, you see autism, you yeah. see the AED, the ADHD, you see the yeah. food sensitivities, you see the overly emotionally. And sensitive. why are there food sensitivities afterwards? Because it's, well, the, the triad, I call it the triad. If someone is sensitive to egg, peanut, and chicken, it's always from a vaccine because they use those in vaccines. They use eggs to grow pathogens. They put uh, chicken, uh, I don't know if it's chicken blood, but they put different um, uh, chicken components in there. And then they also use peanut oil. And so it's getting into the system. It's getting right into the brain. There's no blood brain barrier closure. And then yeah. your immune system's reacting to it. All of food sensitivity is, is an immune system reaction. Yeah. And, and so, and then also um, it's just inflaming the immune system. The immune system is going to be more hyperactive. And uh, so th it is a slippery slope. It is. And so, and what was the other thing I was reading about the polio vaccine for coming from the monkey? Uh -huh. so, tell me about that. Bernie's Eddy. So for all you guys listening, definitely research Bernie's Eddy. Uh, she was an epidemiologist um, for the NIH, I believe it was. Don't quote me on that, but I know, I think it was the NIH. And she was with the original polio vaccine. She was in charge of testing the safety and what she did was she realized that uh, they had used a green monkey kidney from Africa, and they used uh, that to make their polio vaccine. But then that came in with all different other types of viruses, one called SV40, which is a whole nother thing that you guys should research. We don't have enough time to talk about that. And when she gave it to her uh, monkeys, they would become paralyzed and or die. And so she said, hey, I think that these aren't safe. I think we should uh, delay. And But at that time, there was a huge um, pressure to fast track a vaccine uh, like, like we have seen recently. And, um, and so what happened was instead of taking her into consideration, they fired her and then they, they brought it into production. And one of my favorite is uh, Dr. Ajner. I think his name is Alton Ajner. Uh, and he was a big stakeholder in uh, Sulk, which was one of the original pharma companies. And he gave his grandchild, his grandchildren, his uh, grandson and granddaughter in front of Tulane Medical School, the first polio vaccines. 
and uh, our vaccine and said that uh, how safe it was. And one of his grandchildren was paralyzed. The other one died in 48 hours. Mm. And so uh, and it's a, that that vaccine is different than the one that's on the market today. Oh, um, they've had to do way different stuff since. Yes. But there's still, I mean, if you go back and look at polio, like and it being pretty much over by the time the vaccine came out. 90% uh, reduced before the vaccine came out. And we, we probably should do a little bit deeper dive on some of these because it, it is helpful to understand like why like you're not uh, or why you wouldn't want or why it may not be necessary anyways. Um, yeah. It's 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 important to note that like we can't tell you not to get the vaccine or any vaccine. I can't tell you that. I don't even I can't even recommend that. To, I don't ever recommend that to patients. I can say, though, I support you and whatever you decide. I'm OK with whatever you decide. Um, but, um, you know, you have to kind of decide for yourself. And there is a, there are a lot of resources out there. Um, a lot. There's several books out there that um, have a lot of good information. There's several documentaries. And so that's something that it's like to do your own research and it's to take the responsibility for it and say, OK, I have to do my own research and figure this out for myself, my family and what I'm comfortable with. Um, yes. Yeah, it's there. There's so much that we could talk about. Oh, okay. So difference in in the countries. We 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 mentioned earlier that Japan Japan does things a bit differently, don't they? Yeah, they delay their vaccines. Uh, they don't give uh, Tdap while pregnant. They don't give flu vaccines. They have discontinued using the HPV uh, vaccine. They don't give the MMR. They actually split it up uh, and take out uh, one of the M's. So they do an MR. Um, and they have the highest life expectancy of any developed country in the world. Um, Especially when you compare it to the U.S. It's... Yeah, the U.S. is like 55th or something of all developed countries. And, yeah. and when we're supposed to have and the best medical system. And this rates, right? Yeah. If we have the best medical system, we should be number one. And it is just yeah. not. We spend so much money on health care, but it's just not serving us. So uh, Japan is a really good example. Um, and what they also do is they only give the hep B vaccine if the mother is hep B positive. Which is uh, the one we get to our newborns, guys. Yeah, we give it right away. And that's another thing is um, there is a, a 15 times the amount of aluminum in, a, in the hep B vaccine uh, compared to what is safe for a seven and a half pound baby. So all of them get the same one and there's 15 times. And where's that, that standard set? Where is that standard set? What, what, who determines what is safe? Uh, I think the EPA. Yeah. So these are actual government right, agencies saying this amount is safe. And then, but yeah. that FB vaccine that is, is way more than that. And yeah. here's another thing that no one talks about is the hep B vaccine is derived from a yeast fungal um, component. And if you're injecting that directly into the blood, yeast and fungus, if you've listened to my Instagram um, videos, is a natural chelator. It will pull on more metals. So if you do that and then you start getting all these other vaccines, it will actually, the yeast will actually pull more of the metals into the system at a much faster rate. So that's a whole nother slippery slope. It is. It is. We will um, probably need to continue this conversation again, because there's just so, there's just so much to talk about. There is, there is. um, and, and I think it's just, the point of this is really just to say, do your own research, think about, um, you know, what you feel comfortable, look at ingredients and go from there. Of course, this is not considered to be medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please speak with your healthcare provider. And when I say that, I mean, 
you might need to look out, think outside the box. You might need to talk to a family provider. You might need to find a naturopath or a chiropractor or different, different avenues of, of a practitioner to really get a full scope. It doesn't mean you don't have to see a conventional one. It just means you could do both um, and just see what they say. I think the biggest thing is just to talk and to, and to have, ask these questions and figure out for yourself what you feel comfortable with. Yes. Ask, ask the question is the most important thing. If you take anything away from this podcast, it is ask the question, find, if you can find a holistic MD or DO in your area, it's a great thing to find. Um, but if you are listening to this and you have already vaccinated your child, don't go into guilt, just realize that there are things that can be done, which we can talk about in future podcasts. Yeah. Uh, Glutathione being a huge one that you've already uh, mentioned because that protects all your barriers of your systems. Um, but just know that you didn't know what you didn't know until you found out today that you didn't know it. And, uh, it is always your choice. It should always be your choice. And that's the biggest thing that we want to, um, to tell you.